Thank you for tuning into Air and Earth, the podcast that lifts you up and keeps you grounded. I'm your host, Melissa Moffat, and I'm here to share some information that I've found helpful in my own life, as well as interview people on topics ranging from self-love of body, soul, and mind, social, environmental, and animal justice, mindfulness, business, relationships, ethics, and so much more with the intention of supporting you on your healing and growth journey as you strive to love yourself, those around you, and the planet just a little more. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning into episode five of Air and Earth Podcast. I just want to say how appreciative I am of all of the feedback that I've been receiving on the podcast. You guys are amazing with your shares and your messages, and it just makes me so inspired to keep making these episodes. Today, I have Jessica Oli on the show. I know so many of you are very excited for this episode. It's an amazing conversation. This woman is so filled with wisdom and love, and I just can't wait for you all to continue listening. If you love this episode and you can't wait for the next episodes, please do me a favor. If you're listening on iTunes, you can leave a review or you can send me a message or an email with your thoughts on this episode or any of the episodes. It's also a huge help if you take a screenshot and share that to your Instagram story. I love seeing those stories of you guys listening to the show. And I love reposting them on my story. It just really helps me get the word out and it helps me continue the motivation, the excitement of doing these episodes. I'm just loving it so much and I am so thankful. This show wouldn't be possible without the support of a few sponsors, the first of which being Okay, it's me. (laughs) If you're like me and you love personal development, I know you'll love my newest resource, The Growth Guide. The Growth Guide is a 12-day program that uses guided meditation, journaling prompts, reading exercises, and growth exercises on a specific topic each day that will leave you feeling inspired, rejuvenated, grounded, and ready to take on the world with compassion and love. Here's a review of The Growth Guide from Hannah. My anxiety and my negative self-talk had begun to spiral out of control before I started looking for methods to help me heal and grow. After experimenting with meditation and journaling, I dove headfirst into Melissa's growth guide. Within the first few days, I noticed a change in how I felt about myself and the way in which I spoke to myself and a change in the way I viewed the future and my anxieties. Melissa's meditations are beautiful, positive, uplifting, and the messages and prompts that come from the guide reinforce her teachings. My sense of self-confidence and my hope for the future is returning, and I'm growing into the person I know I can be. You guys, I am so excited for this guide. This guide was put together using the tools that I have learned over the past 10 years in my own healing and growth journey, and I'm so thankful for you all listening in that I wanted to give you a deal. Use the code PODCAST10 at checkout for 10% off your order of anything in my store. I have the link down below as well as that code listed in the show notes. Jessica Oli currently lives in London but grew up all around the world. Before living in London, she lived in Dubai and also spent time traveling the world in between her move. 
She shares from the heart to her over 630,000 following on Instagram. She's the queen of talking about things that other people may be afraid to share about on social media, including breakups, divorce, sex, anxiety, grief, and so much more. She's the creator of Let's Start Yoga, an online program for those looking to start their yoga practice. So Jessica and I have been friends now, I guess it's been about six months, maybe a little more. And we met when I was living in Louisville. She spent a couple of months in Louisville and we met and we just totally hit it off and have been friends ever since. We spent a lot of time together in Louisville and I visited her in London and we talk via the internet, thanks internet, all the time. And I'm really thankful for her presence in my life. She is an inspiration to so many people, including myself, and she's an incredible friend. So, Jessica, thank you for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. It's such an exciting new journey for you, and I'm just really excited for you and honored that you asked me to be on the podcast. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I'm honored to have you on. And I know that so many people, when I asked, you know, I did a poll and I was like, who should I interview? Who all do you want me to talk to? And you were one of the most answered people. So I know that so many people are going to be like, so excited to hear this episode (laughs) and listening in and hearing your story. And you have an incredible story. So I'm excited to ask you lots of fun questions (laughs) just before we get started we've been friends for way longer than six months it's been are you sure yes we were we we met in like may may 2018 and it's january january so it's seven yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay people seven months (laughs) okay people eight months (laughs) Eight months. It's been a good eight months, though, because you were in Louisville for, like, you were there for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, you, yep. were, you were there, and then you were gone, and then you were back. So we spent a lot of time together when you were there. Yes. And then, yeah, and we talk a lot. So, so yeah, we stay in touch. And, yeah, and we have our own little book club going, which I love. Oh, yeah, that's so fun. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, we should talk about books. Okay, anyway, we have a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to dive in. Are you okay. ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you have an interesting, like, past experience, like, growing up and all of that, that got you to where you are now. So I was wondering if you would just talk about your childhood you know, like where you were born, growing up, what it was like for you, just, you know, just touch on it. And yeah, what was your childhood like? Oh my gosh. So whenever someone asks me this question, it's always like, well, do you have time? <laughs> um, we have hours. <laughs> well, okay, no, just yes, like, grab a cup of tea. Well, okay. So I guess you would call me a third culture kid because we, well, my family and I, we grew, well, I grew up in seven different countries. Um, my dad's job took us all around the world. He worked in sales for a few different companies. And so I was born in South Africa 
in a little place called Benoni, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys have no idea where that is. Oh and <laughs> then we, we sort of bounced around. And we've lived in so South Africa, Greece, Turkey, Hungary, Dubai, Denmark, and the UK. Um, and some of the places I can't really remember as well as others, but it was basically the four of us. So I have a younger sister and um, my parents and I, we just traveled the world together and we grew up super close and my mom is basically like my best friend and it's just been, I wouldn't trade it for the world, although at sometimes it, it was a bit tough moving schools all the time and having to make new friends all the time and just sort of constant change in that way we always had each other and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why we were such a close family oh that's so sweet I I love seeing you with your family because I know how much you love them and how much they love you and we'll talk about your family a little more later but yeah yeah so how did you get interested in practicing yoga? That's one of the biggest things that you share on your platform is your yoga practice. How did that come about? And maybe talk about a bit into building your following and starting your own program that teaches people about starting their practices. Oh, okay. So yoga kind of came, it sounds super cliche, but yoga kind of came into my life when I wasn't expecting it, but also when I needed it. Um, I was doing my sport and exercise science degree in the UK and I was in my final year at university and I was absolutely miserable. I was so close to packing it in <laughs> and I had pretty much about six seven months left of my course and I was pretty much dangling by a thread and for those of you who don't really know I used to be a competitive swimmer so I had already retired swimming and I was kind of trying to find something that made me feel as good as swimming had done for so many years but nothing was sticking I tried running I tried weightlifting I tried spinning I tried so many different things and although I really enjoyed moving my body and working out and that kind of stuff nothing kind of stuck so I wasn't able to be consistent with anything and I was craving some kind of normality in my fitness routine but also some kind of relief emotionally and it was kind of ironic how it all happened because I'd had this warped idea of what I thought yoga was <laughs> and I thought it was for old people and I didn't think that it was hard <laughs> and I just didn't think that there was anything for me in that space and my friend just said well I've kind of heard that it's good for you know anxiety or depression and you just just your overall like mental well-being and physical well-being is kind of like a whole package so why don't you give it a go and I laughed in his face um <laughs> 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 oh, I don't really think it's <clears throat> and he kind of looked at me and he was like well you know if you don't like it then you don't have to ever do it again and that kind of shifted my perspective because I was a bit closed-minded so off I went to a yoga class at my local gym and I absolutely fell in love with the movement and the calmness that it brought to 
my whole like being. Um, and it started off as just like 20 minutes a day, an hour a day, whether it was after a workout or just in my tiny little university room in between lectures or in between library adventures, I would just take whatever time I could out of the day for me and my mind. Um, and it was just a chance for me to give back to my body and my mind and not really think about, um, the stress that I was feeling of, lectures or essays that were due or the fact that I was really unhappy at at university and it did pull me through so it kind of was something that happened out of nowhere but I started to crave it more and more and I fell in love with it and what actually inspired me to do my teacher training was not so much about the idea of teaching I've always loved helping people, but I didn't know that I could teach yoga. I didn't know if I would be good enough to teach yoga. So I did the course more for my own benefit in terms of I just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn the philosophy behind yoga. I wanted to learn the little subtle things that go behind a yoga pose rather than just how it looks. And I think alongside my sports science degree, it was just a beautiful compliment and it was a way to sort of keep me fresh in the learning spectrum. And I was fresh out of university when I did the, um, 200 hour and it was just something that I could dive straight into that expanded me in ways that I honestly didn't think it would. That's so good. Okay. So then you started teaching or you started diving deeper into your practice. So how did that become this thing where you're sharing it more on social media and creating your own program online? So when I started doing yoga, I, ironically, I'd never been on social media. Uh, I, I didn't have a Facebook account anymore. I didn't have Instagram. I actually didn't really know what Instagram was up until pretty much just before I opened my my Instagram account that I have today. And the reason for that is I'd had some really, really bad experiences on social media in high school. And I just decided that it wasn't for me. And one of my friends had Instagram and I was like, so what is this app actually for? Like, it seems kind of stupid. You just post photos and like, what is the point in it? And they were like, well, actually it's so much more than that. You can get you can follow people for inspiration. And I was like, oh, no way. So I didn't tell anyone about it, but I opened my own Instagram account and I made a username. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my friends or family about it. I might've told my mom about it, but um, the point is I didn't really want anyone to know about it. It was more about me uh, being inspired by people on social media. So I would follow accounts that made me want to get out of bed in the morning and just inspire me to be the best version of myself that I could be and at first I didn't really share anything I didn't feel like I had much to say I didn't understand that people would ever be interested in anything that I had to say and I worked up the courage to sort of post on social media and it was a way to keep myself accountable for what I was doing I was kind of like a diary but on social media and you could interact with people that had the same mindset as you and the same goals and 
um, it was just a huge source of inspiration for me at a time where a lot of people in my life had no idea what I was doing or um, didn't understand what I wanted to do. So it was just a really, really refreshing experience for me. And the whole sort of reason Let's Start Yoga came about was I'd really struggled to start my yoga journey. I felt really scattered. I didn't know um, where I could go all the time. I was studying. I was busy. I had lectures all the time. And although I had access to yoga classes in my gym, I didn't always have time off during when they had yoga classes. So I kind of wanted to pull all my resources together in one place and give people pieces of me, so pieces of my experience, what I learned, um, and have them basically have me as a teacher in their pocket and use it alongside other resources and yoga classes and just basically a little hub where they have everything that, that they absolutely need to start practicing yoga and progress. That's awesome. I'm just going to say that, I mean, having online resources was a huge, I mean, that's the reason that I was able to really stick with yoga because I also started in my, my last semester of my undergrad and I didn't have time or like energy to go places or to money. Take <laughs> yeah, or money. Like <laughs> yeah. none of those things to go take yoga classes. And I also started it with this like warped idea. I thought it was like just exercise pretty much, like Pilates or something mm-hmm. like that. Um and so I started it as a way to make my core stronger for dance. I've already told this story, so I'm not gonna like go into it. But like without those online programs so many people wouldn't have access to it. And it's such a great place to get a taste and to get like, okay, this is what the practice is. Here's how you do these motions. And then people can go even deeper from there. And it's, it's such a good thing. It's such a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to make it, I wanted to make yoga more accessible, but I also wanted people to not be dependent on me. Um, I wanted there to be a degree of autonomy. So I didn't want to constantly spoon feed people exactly what they needed to do and when they needed to do it because we all are so different. So that that was kind of the reasoning behind the ebook is um, here are all the tools that you need and you can cater it depending on like your goals, your body, how you're feeling on the day and just giving that person the confidence to listen to their bodies. And at the end of the day, we are our own best teachers. We just need people to unlock that for us in different Mm -hmm. ways. And so I definitely encourage people to go to yoga classes, use the ebook, see what's on YouTube, you know, just expand in as many ways as you possibly can. There's no one route that you should take. And that's kind of what I wanted to convey with Let's Yoga. Definitely. I love that. It's like, it's like we are, you know, within us is all of every, every step we take needs to be guided from our own gut and our own heart and our own intuition. Yeah. But listening to other people, learning from other people expands our idea of what we think is possible for ourselves. Yeah. So like, it's good to have this like incredible mixture of guidance that is encouraging and being like, here are some choices that you didn't know is possible, but also 
encouraging you to listen to your own body and have your own practice. So I think that's really awesome. Okay. So that's a good background into Mm -hmm. like what you're doing, who you are a little bit. So now we're going to dive into the deep stuff. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. And I'm just going to say too, for you all listening that for the interviews I've done so far, I've like sent people the questions and I asked Jessica, I was like, do you want me to send you the questions? And she was like, no, just ask me on the spot. So these are all like on the spot questions, which is like, (laughs) it's kind of fun. (laughs) I was like, okay, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to talk about like all the good deep stuff because that is like, that's one thing that you really, you open your heart to the world and you you really connect with people about things that they're afraid sometimes to talk about or share or or maybe even like not even realize that other people are going through the same things. So we're going to talk about that stuff. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is relationships. You've been candid about relationships, um, your past relationships. Uh, you've been through a divorce at a young age you share how you've changed through relationships. So how has that, how has that shift look like in your romantic relationships as well as your friendships? Because friendships are also those deep connections that we make and how we relate to relationships romantically is there's a similarity in how we relate to our friends. How has that changed for you throughout time? I think that um, I was listening to uh, a seminar that you sent me the other day from Abraham Hicks, and she was talking about letting go. And she was basically saying that, and this really struck a chord with me because we put a lot of weight on the people in our lives to stay, and we put a lot of weight on ourselves to make people stay. And when they don't stay, we often, um, we often think it's a bad thing. And through breakups, through friendship breakups, through all of those kinds of losses, I guess we'll call them because you do lose pieces of yourself when you lose a friend, um, or a romantic partner, you lose pieces of yourself, who you are with them, um, who you were at the time when you were their friends or when you were their lover or whoever it was. And she spoke about the need to not put your eggs <laughs> in one basket. So people come in in, your, in and out of your life for different reasons. Maybe it's for a long time. Maybe it's for five minutes. Maybe it's, it holds a lot of weight for you. Maybe it's a surface level connection. And the thing that we do is we sort of cling on to those people. Like the minute we have a connection with someone, we're like, we need, I need to keep you. You need, you need to be around. <laughs> and and you, you can't force people to stay in your life if they're not supposed to be there and vice versa. You will outgrow people. I've outgrown people. People have outgrown me. Um, it works both ways. And I think the takeaway thing that I've learned from relationships, any kind of relationship breaking down is that we are all on our own journey and we 
all we can do is be as receptive to the connections that we make with people along our journey and take what we need from those conversations, from those encounters, from those times that we spent with those people. And, you know, at the end of the day, who you surround yourself with is who you become. Um, And that kind of goes back to something that I really believe in is surrounding yourself with people that, you know, bring out the best in you, who want to see you succeed, who call you out on your shit when (laughs) Um, but more importantly, who holds space for you as you change. And change is absolutely inevitable. Um, and it's finding people that either change with you. And if they do, then that's great. And if they don't, then um, that's when you kind of have to make the decision whether or not you stay on the same path with that person or you sort of make your separate ways. Um, and it doesn't always have to be it isn't always a bad thing. It's just recognizing that you guys are not on the same wavelength anymore. So it's not necessarily about someone being a good or a bad person. And something that I've really, really had to learn the last few weeks is making sure that you're not putting your self-worth or your value into the hands of people around you, whether it's a partner, whether it's a friend, whether it's your family. Um, Because if those people leave, and the chances are some people will leave, if they leave and they have a piece of you with them in terms of your value or your self-worth or self-esteem, when they leave, it will break you. (laughs) And um, that's something that I've had to confront a lot in the last few months, I guess you could say, is knowing that not everything that you lose is a loss and that there is obviously lessons to be learned in in every encounter that we have, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And it's just um, doing what you can with the information that you have and just knowing that as long as you're your own best friend, people will come and go and rather than clinging on to them, it's kind of non-attachment at its finest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding that everyone is on their own path and there is no there is no need to force people onto the same wavelength as you and there is no need for anyone else to force you onto the same wavelength as them. It's just appreciating other people as they are, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's such a beautiful answer. I like... I love your take on that because I think we have very like similar ideas about relationships that people come in and out of your life and that's okay. And sometimes people go out forever and it doesn't mean that like one person is better than the other person. It doesn't have to be like this big explosive fight or anything like that. It's just change and that's life. And we all go through loss with people, like whether it's friendships, relationships, we just can't cling to the people in our life. We can't cling to the places. We can't cling to our, where we are. We can't cling to staying young or whatever. We can't cling to anything because it all changes. And if you give people that space to like change and grow, then like the relationship stays healthier. And then if you all decide or like naturally just kind of like part ways and it's not this big dramatic thing. Yeah, it it ebbs and flows. And I think that's 
one of the one of the things about letting go is being okay with either outcome. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be okay whether or not someone is in your life. Um, you have to be able to thrive with or without that presence around you. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you are the only thing that you, your emotions are the only thing that you can control. You cannot you you cannot control how other people view you. You mm-hmm. cannot control how other people see you as a person. And the minute you start placing your self-worth or sense of self in the hands of other people, you you fall into this dangerous sort of cycle of everyone else everyone has a different perception of good or bad everyone has different standards everyone has different things that they would or different attributes that they would like in a person and if you start trying to be the person that they want you to be you're not being who you are supposed to be and Mm -hmm. I think that that's such a shame that would be such a shame because you you have a unique thing to offer the world and mm-hmm. not everyone is going to like it and not everyone is supposed to like it because and that's okay so i think everyone is afraid of having a bad reputation or having bad things said about them or having people speak ill of them and in reality at first you're just like well of course i of course i feel like that i don't want anyone to have anything bad to say about me but just know that it's got actually nothing to do with you, what someone else thinks of you, because they have different standards and different perceptions of what they value in a human being. And when someone doesn't like you, that's a reflection of who they are and what they need. And neither is better or worse. It's just you guys are not on the same vibrational frequency, I guess you could say. Yeah. I can hear that book you just read coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was it? The Courage to be Disliked, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 If you guys are looking for a good book, you need to read it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, oh my gosh, I feel like we could talk about relationships forever and I like almost want to be like, just like keep, but we, we don't want this podcast to be like three hours long. So I'm going to go on to the next question because I have so much. I'm like, ah, but okay. Anyway, next question. <laughs> um, so you are someone who you really have a strong presence of believing in your worth and you have a strong connection to that little voice inside that guides us, our intuition, which is something that we can all practice, something that we all have, but that a lot of times we we ignore. Yeah. And you also, you face your fears, you face uncertainty, you dive into the unknown, you do all of those things. And there are so many people out there who struggle to do those things, you know, because of trust issues. They may feel stuck. It may be scary. Their intuition may be telling them something that they're like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do that. How do you own your worth and face your fears and follow your intuition? Oh, um, so I... I told you I was going to do deep questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well... 
Okay, I like this question because I think it's really important and I think that sometimes it's hard to put everything in an Instagram caption. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm still getting to know my intuition and it takes work and I am still learning things about that. I guess that little voice that you have inside you um and what I've realized is that it is a constant work in progress you know you're, you're never done there is always more that you can learn and your intuition is no different from that and you know at the beginning uh probably it was right around when my dad got sick and I was going through a divorce a lot of the anxiety and fear and all of those kinds of emotions were because I wasn't listening to my intuition. And the minute I started listening to my intuition, my anxiety lessened. Um, I felt more connected to myself. I felt less resistance to myself. I felt less anxious. I felt less fearful. That's not to say that it wasn't difficult or or hard or challenging because I think most people mistake overcoming things or you know the fact that I do confront as you said confront my fears or all those kinds of things it's not easy and it is intimidating but it's something that you at the end of the day you deserve to be happy and that's where it sort of comes back to is as you start to feel through all these different emotions and you you circle through them and you feel through everything, you start to uncover what it is that's really driving these feelings. And that requires a lot of time with yourself, sitting with yourself, understanding your thoughts. Why do I feel like this? Who is making me feel like this? Am I making myself feel like this? Am I self-sabotaging? Do I need to call myself out on things? Do I need to remove people from my life? Do I need to set boundaries? These are all questions that you need to be constantly asking yourself. And there's a beautiful quote. I think it, I can't remember who it's by. I think it's um, Naira Wahid. And she says, um, there is a question that you, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it basically (laughs) along the lines of, in every kind of relationship, something that you need to ask yourself is, are you happy here? And do you feel free? And I think a lot of the time people confuse fear with intuition. Um, Fear is something that comes after intuition. Your intuition, you already know what's a yes or what's a no. Your intuition absolutely knows that. And then there's fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and opinions. And, you know, we could go on and on that get in the way of your intuition. Essentially, like what I like to think of your intuition as is that instinct feeling, that gut feeling before anything else has time to set in. That's that little voice that is guiding you towards the direction that you want to go in truly. And often what I've realized is that fear is more powerful than your intuition. Unfortunately, it's, it's loud. It's, it's overbearing. It's obnoxious. It's, it's just annoying because 
it clouds everything and it, it messes with everything. And because it's so loud, people hear it. And it's not to say that you should be ignoring the things that you're afraid of. Um, but I think that as soon as you start to accept your fears and you start to sit with them and invite them in and understand them and see where they're coming from and get to the root of it, then you can let it go. And then underneath that is where, where you need to be. Um, so that's kind of the thing that I would, that I encourage myself to do regardless of what the situation is, is really just to take the time to sit with myself and understand how I tick and how I work and, you know, just developing that self-awareness of, is this coming from self-doubt? Is this coming from insecurity? Where is this coming from? And how can I move past this so it's not about it's not about figuring everything out and dissecting it sometimes it's just knowing where something is coming from and not giving your attention to it mm-hmm. and not feeding it because the more you feed your fears and the more you feed those negative emotions the more you enter this sort of downward spiral of um self-deprecating and you sort of that in, in those moments, that's when you lose who you are and you lose your sense of self and you lose all the good that you have to offer. So that's something that I've definitely been working through the last few months is just to hold space for myself, but also challenging myself not to acknowledge certain behaviors or tendencies that I have. That's beautiful. Like, that's such a good answer. And it's, you know, I think sometimes those of us who who speak about following your intuition, people are like, what does that even mean? And it doesn't have to be, it's not this big thing. Like you're not going to sit there on top of a mountain. I mean, you might, who knows? You're not going to sit there on top of the mountain, the wind's blowing and you're going to get this lightning bolt. That's like Thor is like, Hey, do this. And your life will be perfect forever. And you're like, cool. Thanks. Like, that's not what happens. It's like, little bits every single day, just reconnecting to yourself because we are in this place of go, 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 that we ignore what we need. We ignore what we want. And like one thing that I always think to myself when I'm making decisions or when I'm thinking things through, or when I have even thoughts that may not feel good, it's like, does this come from a place of fear or is this coming from a place of love? Mm -hmm. Am I wanting to make this this decision based on fear or on love? And also, I love that. And it kind of sort of connects to this point of, um, I think it was, it was probably close to two years ago, um, someone told me, we were shopping actually, <laughs> and this is a really, really sort of um, material example, but I translated it and integrated it into every aspect of my life from then. And she was like, does it spark joy? And I was like, mm. no, um, I, don't, I don't know. And she's like, well, no, then it, it doesn't. You would know if it sparks joy, you know. You, you wouldn't have to ask for my opinion. You wouldn't have to second guess yourself. You wouldn't have to bring it up. You would just know and you would get it. And I think that... Often we rely too heavily on the opinions of others and we require other people to validate the decisions that we make. 
And that can be a dangerous sort of thing to fall into because, again, everyone has different goals and different perceptions, different wants, different, you know, everything. We're not the same. And although friends and family and people that you respect can offer valuable opinions, it's the weight that those opinions hold over your decision-making is the important thing. And it's just learning to, A, understand that everyone might, people might have different opinions to you. And B, also that you don't have to take that, you don't have to take their opinions and implement those opinions into your life. And um, it, it sort of goes back to that intuition. Your intuition is a loud yes. If you think of something and it's not a loud yes, then don't do it. it mm-hmm. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) with your intuition, there is no, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure, it's probably a no. If if you're not sure also, like you don't have to, you don't have to make the decision right now either. Sit with it longer. Like there's no rush and you don't have to have it all figured out right now. That's another yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, and no one has everything figured out. <laughs> Ever. Life just keeps going. You just keep learning. living it day by day and yeah. learning, and then and then you die. So, cool. Just take it day by day. It'll all mm-hmm. be fine. Hey, you all. I just wanted to pop in really fast and thank one of our sponsors, Blue Ridge Hemp, who makes ethically and sustainably sourced CBD products. I've been using Blue Ridge Hemp products for over a year now, and I absolutely love them. Recently, I took my dad to the store in Asheville, North Carolina. He has a lot of joint pain from arthritis and past injuries, and he's an old school kind of guy and declared himself to be a CBD non-believer when we went in the store. However, they had some samples about, and I had him try on the joint salve, and after a few minutes, he was so surprised and completely amazed that his pain was easing up and going away. He actually bought three tubs of the South, and he uses it every single day and absolutely raves about it. My favorite product right now is the spiced coconut oil. It has turmeric and cardamom and other good stuff in it, and I add it to my matcha latte every single morning, and I 100% feel that it helps me feel calm and relaxed. I love everything this company stands for. They're ethical. They're sustainable. You can really tell when you go into the store and go onto their website that they put a lot of love into all of their products. I also love that they offer reduced price assistance to make healthcare more accessible, which is something that I really, really strongly believe in and that I offer with my own resources. So if you want to learn more about the benefits of CBD or check out Blue Ridge Hemp's wide variety of products, head over to their website, use the code Melmoff, M-E-L-M-O-F, for 10% off your order. The code and a link to their website is down below in the show notes. Next. Next. You've also talked about anxiety before on your platform, which is something that I think a lot of people experience because we live in this fast-paced, go-go-go world. We all have... um, we all have similar experiences of things with our families, things with our careers, those big life experiences that can get us kind of like 
freaked out and anxious. And you, you've shared about that and been open about that. Yeah. So you talk about when did you start feeling anxiety and how, how do you deal with it when it comes up for you? Um, so I didn't really know what anxiety, I knew what it was, but I didn't know that I had experienced it. Um, I, looking back, I think I had my first anxiety attack when I was really young. <laughs> um, I think probably about eight and they didn't happen very often. So I didn't really understand them. And it wasn't until I started getting a little bit older, I started experiencing what I know now are anxiety attacks. And uh, for me, it's that um, overwhelming weight that sort of is feels like it's sitting on your chest. My mouth gets super, super dry. Um, I My thoughts, it escalate you know um I can't it's like someone's pulling a ribbon and it's just they're pulling it out of my hands and I can't get a grip on it and it's just unraveling and it's that feeling of seeing everything happening and not knowing how to stop it or or to control it and you end up working yourself into such a state that you can't get out of it um, and I think for a while, um, because I didn't know what was happening, I used to just fall asleep after a few hours because my body was physically exhausted and I'd feel in a funk for days and I wouldn't know why. And I felt stupid and I felt ashamed and I felt like, why are you, ha why are you having these experiences, there's nothing wrong in your life. There's no reason to be feeling like this, you know? And um, when my dad got sick, I really started to understand the magnitude of our emotions and the power that they can have over us. And it took me a long, it took me a good I guess you could say year to sort of understand how, what I needed in those moments. And I'm still learning. Um, I've just started going to therapy for additional guidance and tools and support. And, you know, some of the things I use to sort of calm me down in that moment, they work for me. And I'm by no means a, a, a health expert. I'm not a psychologist. So I think the one thing that I would say is that if you are experiencing things like this, it, it is normal and it, it's okay. But it's also important that you do seek help um, if you feel like you need it um, and to talk to those around you. I know that for me, a lot of the thoughts that sort of hold the most weight over me can be the most irrational thoughts and talking things through with loved ones or friends or just a complete stranger <laughs> um, has helped me a lot. But there are a lot of tools that I've used more as prevention rather than, I guess you could say as a cure, as things like reading books, journaling. My yoga practice has always been my safe space. Um, but it's also you get to a point where I think a lot of the anxiety comes from 
not allowing yourself to feel things. So I would push my emotions aside for as long as I could. And if you can imagine a kettle, it sort of starts to boil and boil and boil. And then it, and then it just gets to this, this high point and it overflows and it starts spilling out. And the more that I've been able to hold space for myself in those moments where I feel a little bit anxious, the less likely I am to completely have a huge meltdown. It's usually when I try and fight what I'm feeling that I end up having a huge anxiety attack. So that's something that I've learned to do is just to hold space for what I'm feeling and invite it in and sit down with it and not really try to dissect it just to let it in and I've, I, I really do believe that the more you let yourself in the more you have or the more you have of you to, to let go the more strength you have to let things go and it's not always about tearing things apart and diving deep into things um, because often in those moments you start to overthink and sometimes thinking is the problem <laughs> so it's just allowing yourself to see the thoughts as they come in and not feeding into them not fueling them and just letting them go when they're ready because they will go and it will pass it's just allowing everything to happen as and when it does rather than resisting it or fighting it because I think that that for me anyway that prolongs it yeah yeah that's beautiful spot on as someone who also used to have I mean I still have anxiety but I used to really really struggle with it and when you cultivate that self-awareness and you see it coming on you can feel the little bit starting to form and not ignoring it and facing it before the momentum gets going. That's when you can start to redirect it and be like, okay, why is this happening? Where is this coming from? So beautiful answer. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to the fact that through social media, I've realized, and although I talk about it very openly, it's really knowing that it's so normal to feel things like this. It's knowing that everyone has stories like mine um, that really give me the courage or the strength to to share or to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is absolutely no shame in any of it, not one bit. I think mm-hmm. that it is normal, um, but it's also not forever. Um it's not something that you will never always feel like this and it will ebb and flow. And it's just riding those waves rather than, you know, getting caught underneath them. Yep. And yep. I think that's really what it is, is just, I guess, surrendering to what's going on and knowing that at any point when you have, when you get to that point, you can pull yourself out of it. And you, you at the end of the day are the only ones. We are the only ones that can pull ourselves out of it. Um, mm-hmm. We can go to therapy. We can journal. We can read books. We can, we can do, we can go on walks. We can do meditation. We can practice yoga. We can do all of those things. 
Um, and yes, they're good, but only we can do the work and mm-hmm. no one else can do it for you. We can, we can, you can get the tools, all the tools that you need to pull yourself out of it, but you are the one that actually has to pull yourself out of it. And you have to want that for yourself. You have yes. to want to break that self-deprecating cycle. You have to know that you are valuable. You have to know that you deserve to not feel this way. And that's where it stems from. It's just knowing that you are enough and that, yes, you're having all of these feelings, but you are stronger than them. Yes. And that knowing that you are enough and some of the thoughts that come up, you also have to know that that it's okay. Like you can get to this place where even if you're having self-defeating thoughts, even if you're having fearful thoughts, or if you're wanting to act out in fear, if you sit with it, if you take time and space, you'll get to a place where you realize that, and you can realize that while the thoughts mm-hmm. are going on, that they're just thoughts. Yeah. They're not and you, and, Yeah, and you don't feed into it. You don't fuel it. And you, you sit set, and don't act. Yeah, and you set those boundaries with yourself. You say, like, I see yeah. you. I see those thoughts coming in, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk to you. Not today. <laughs> not today. Not today. Not happening. Yes. And because you know, there's that. There's that quote. It's like what you. It's something about basically what you think has power over you. Your thoughts are so powerful. Our thoughts mm-hmm. are the most powerful thing that we have. Um, and it's that self-awareness that you develop over time, over consistency, over the work that you put in that make that change. And you, it's like rewiring, a, a, a rewiring like a, I don't know. It's like you're, you have to, <laughs> your analogies are yeah. so cute. <laughs> you have to like basically rewire your thought processes and you have to um, be aware of those thought processes processes before you can rewire them you can't expect Mm -hmm. to magically feel better if you don't put in the work yes 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 so if you have anxiety first step I have anxiety yeah this is okay I'm feeling a bad thought that is okay this doesn't feel good yeah that is okay yeah like just notice just notice it that's first step yeah first step and you you touched on something and I, I want to come back to, and I just want to honor you in how you have shared with your community about your, your father. And, um, you know, as your friend, I... You're going to make me cry. Stop it. I know. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Um, as your friend, I, and as someone who loves you, I see how, um, how what you're sharing is so close to your heart. And I've seen how people have responded 
And I really, like I said, I want to honor you for that because that's not something that people can easily share in their daily lives, like going to work and picking the kids up from school. You know, when you have that kind of weight in your life, you feel sometimes very alone. Mm-hmm. And I think people have really appreciated your your openness and just sharing your story, you know, because you don't say, here's what you do. Here's how to, it's, it's not about fixing it. You can't fix it's it. It's just sharing your story. Yeah. It's just sharing. And sometimes that is, a, that is so powerful for people. And I, I appreciate it. And I know there are so many people who are going through the same thing who really, really appreciate it. Thank you. So I don't really have a question. <laughs> if you if you want to say anything, you can say something. But I just wanted to to yeah. to honor well, you on that. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. And um, I I really like what you said about fixing it because I think when you are faced with something that is not in your control. It is in our human nature to want to fix it. But as you go through the grieving processes, you know, whether you've lost a family member or if someone is sick. Um, When my dad got diagnosed, I was angry for a while. I wanted to fix it. And some days I still want to fix it, Um, especially as I see him decline and I see the changes I wish I could take it away from him. And if there's one thing that I have been able to take away from this experience is knowing that every single person in this world is going through something like this. In the sense that I'm not special, but also in the sense that I'm also not alone. Um, and you're never really alone in how you feel. There is always, there are nearly 8 billion people in this world. <laughs> and there are always going to be people that know how you're feeling or can understand how you're feeling. And even if they don't understand it, they can hold space for you. And... So going back to the whole sort of fixing it thing, you can't fix what's going on. And I think that as much pain as people experience, um, it's not our job to take away that pain. That pain is, it's valuable. It, it, represents so much it represents the relationship it represents the love it represents the loss it represents the grief it represents the memories it represents all of the different things that you are working through and um it's very bittersweet (laughs) there are times where it's so good and it's it's so sad at the same time and it's learning that you can have you can't have the good without the bad 
you can't have the light without the darkness and you can experience both at the same time. Um, and many of us do. And it's just knowing that although you can't fix it and you can't change what's happening, it's knowing that everything will be okay and there are always people that you can relate to or open up to and find a safe space. And I guess it's just finding those people that hold space for you, even if they can't relate to what you're going through. And I used to believe that, you know, you had to experience things to be able to understand them. And sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. And um, all that really matters is that you feel supported and heard and understood. And I mean, if I can write and share my stories on social media and someone out there feels less alone, then that for me, um, in return, I feel less alone, you know? So it's, it's not, it's not just me sharing my stories and it's, it's not, it goes so much further than that. It, it basically, it bridges those connections. It, it, it normalizes pain and it normalizes things that everyone is working through in some way, shape or form. And it may look, your, your pain may look a little bit different to mine. You know, your situation may look a little different to mine, but at the end of the day, we all deserve to feel supported and heard and feel safe in how we feel so it's a two-way street you know so I guess what I am trying to say is that I think I found a lot of strength in sharing my story and sharing what I'm working through but I think a lot of that strength that I get is from knowing that I'm not alone in what I'm going through. And, you know, um, people that are experiencing these things help me just as much as maybe I help them. So, and, and that's like the essence of, I guess, what it means to be human is to connect um, and to share our experiences and to share our stories. And, um yeah, I think that I'm really glad that I chose to open up about what I'm working through um, because it's helped me and if it can help someone else and that's just, um, I think it's really amazing. Yeah. Well, I love you. <laughs> and <gasps> I love you too. Yeah. And I think... I think one thing that I just want to touch on real quick is knowing that there is no, um, just like there's no, people say there's no rule book for life. There is also no rule book for navigating through grief. Um, grief comes in many shapes and forms and different reasons. And we'll experience grief in lots of different ways. Um, and it ebbs and it flows and it's not a consistent feeling. Um, there is a lot of work that goes 
into moving past grief or, you know, working with it. And it's, I think at the end of the day, we are all doing the best that we can with the cards that we've been given. And if you are working through something like that, or if you have friends that are working through that, um, sometimes it can be hard because you don't know what to say and you can't make it better and you can't fix it. Just like we were talking before about, you know, wanting to fix it. You can't fix it. Um, I think for me, the most valuable thing that people in my life have ever done for me is just basically hold my hand while I sit in that darkness or as I move through those uncharted waters as I navigate this path that no one could have prepared me for and you know no one prepares you for something like this you hear about it 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 happens to other people um, and then it happens to you and you're completely unprepared and so are the people around you (laughs) as much as this is happening to you or this is happening to my family it's happening to everyone around us as well um Mm -hmm. the ripple effect of grief goes much much further than we think um and I think that just sort of comes full circle in you know knowing that with this knowledge of knowing that everyone is working through something and maybe you don't know anything about it and it's just you know that another if, if, if you needed a reason to be kind, let that be the reason. It's just knowing that someone out there is working through something and you literally have no idea about it because maybe they haven't shared. Maybe they, maybe they don't want to talk about it. And um, maybe, maybe you just holding a door open for someone or saying thank you or asking someone how their day is going and maybe something as small as that can lift someone a little bit higher. Um, And it sounds so cliche because I think Instagram is saturated with the quotes that say, spread kindness like confetti, you know, it starts to lose its essence and it starts to lose its integrity and its weight. But let this sort of be a reminder just to tread lightly around the people that you encounter every single day because people are fighting battles that you may not know about. And, you know, even though I share mine, um, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to share. And it doesn't mean that everyone has to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You share when and if you want to. Um, and yep. just know that there are so many people around the world that are holding space for you. You just have to find them. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah agreed mm-hmm. I have nothing else to say like that's beautiful and yeah thanks for sharing that thank you um I just have two more questions okay and they aren't quite as you know so I'm curious you have this huge platform of people who see what you do. 630-something thousand people. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, yes. So with that, that influence that you have, what, 
what is your, when you go to share, knowing how many people will see it, what is your intention when you share? What are the thoughts that come through your head? You know, I know some of it's Um, challenging, some of it's beautiful. What is that like? um, I think Instagram for me is a form of expression. Um, I found that it's helped me tap into a creative side of me that I really didn't know existed through my yoga practice. And a lot of it is art. and But a lot of it, the intention behind what I share is to be me. Um, and that means sharing the good and the bad and the stuff that maybe I'd rather people didn't know, but I think it's important that they know. And it's been, sometimes it's a really sort of vulnerable and intimidating process, depending on what I'm sharing. Um, but ultimately it's empowering to be able to use my voice. Um, and going back to the fact that if I can share something that makes someone feel less alone or if they can relate to what I'm working through or what I'm going through, then I think that's, that's amazing. Um, and it's also helping me root into who I am because, you know, there are always going to be people that don't see eye to eye with you. And it's, it's learning that not everyone is going to agree with you and that's okay. And it's learning how to set boundaries of communication and what you're going to engage in and what you will or will not allow into your space. I think that's been a really valuable sort of thing that I've learned through social media. But yeah, I think that there there are so many people in this world and it has been amazing to connect with so many like-minded people on this little app. Um, I've made so many friends. I've met you. Um, I've made so many friends, connections, um, and people that inspire me to do better um, and to push myself into new things or outside of my comfort zone. Um, And I think that's probably my favorite part about social media is its ability for us to connect. That's, that's awesome. And I, you know, I hear that you're saying that you have been inspired by so many people on social media and like connecting to these people and are using it as a tool to fuel your growth. And I know that so many people that what you share does the same thing for so many other people as well. So, well, I hope that it kind of has like a ripple effect, you know, um, whether I'm talking about the sexualization of yoga or anxiety or depression or, um, sex or whatever sort of topic that I feel is relevant in my life. And I share it. I hope that it gives the courage or people the courage to talk about it as well, because, 
you know, that's how we start to normalize stigma around mental health. And that's how we start to evoke change with the environment. Um, it all comes down to awareness. And if I can use my platform to, to shed light on areas that I feel are important to me. And this is, this is like where I want to be sort of careful and say that there are so many things that need talking about in the world. And I'm just going to say that no one expects you to tackle everything, but it's finding things that are close to your heart and relevant to what you feel is important and prevalent and needs to be heard that you discuss it. Um, And you don't discuss it to gain popular opinion. You discuss it to disrupt things. You discuss it to evoke um, emotion, you know. You, You want to rock the boat of what of beliefs or or things that people have always known but haven't questioned um so again some of my posts can be more triggering than others but I hope if anything it just gets people to engage in some sort of critical thinking about the things that we do every day or topics or you know whatever it is um because no one can change things by themselves and that's how social media is um bringing awareness and shedding light on things and people can feel when you're talking about it because you want to talk about it um it shouldn't be a forced conversation and I think there are so many things that I would love to speak to but I don't feel like I'm in a place (laughs) to be able to speak to it, but I'm learning. And as I learn, I share. And I think that that's the beautiful thing about using your voice is that the more you learn, the more you can share with others and the more you can engage with them and their experiences. And you can sort of um, take what you need from what they're saying. And it, it just becomes this sort of platform for... I guess learning and self-development as well and just bringing awareness to either yourself or um, others and topics. So one thing that you just mentioned that I I think it will be a fun way to <laughs> a last question to end on. Well, then I have one question that I ask everybody, but a last uh, question specifically for you. So you just mentioned talking about sex. And that is something that has been kind of a recent uh, thing that you have been bringing up Mm -hmm. on social media. You've talked about your your experiences with sex, um, how how it relates to to yoga, how people may judge women on social media based on what they're wearing all of that Uh, what what made you want to start sharing your perspective about these topics and what has that been like for you it's been quite liberating because I feel like it's still such a taboo sort of topic for women to discuss because I think there's still a lot of shame involved in um, this topic for women. 
but it's still something that I'm learning. Um, I'm, I'm constantly learning um, how deep-rooted or ingrained sexism still is in our society. Um, and I'm not sure that I'm in the place to completely speak on that because mm-hmm. I think that there's still more that I, you know, need to learn and there's still conversations that need to be had with, you know, people that do talk about this all the time. And I think that, again, the more we start to talk about things, the more we normalize them and the less stigma there is around topics such as um, sex or female masturbation or casual sex um, or sexualization of yoga. You know, those are just sort of three topics off the top of my head. Both all have their own issues and have their own, um, they're their own, basically their, their, their own identity, you know. Um, some of them overlap and some of them don't. But I think that, Unfortunately, women's bodies are sexualized no matter what the person is wearing. Um, From my experience, I've been catcalled on the street in sweatpants and a baggy hoodie. I've also Mm -hmm. catcalled in tiny shorts. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that it really has nothing to do with what you're wearing, um, nor should it be anyone's choice how you choose to dress this shell that you have Um, because at the end of the day it it is skin Um, and we are existing in this shell Um, but somewhere along the line female bodies have been sexualized and um, shamed and women have been shamed into silence and when that happens you lose your power um, and you lose your voice um, and the cycle perpetuates itself and I think the the tricky thing on on social media is understanding that everyone has a different way of expressing themselves and I mentioned earlier about social media being a creative outlet for me um so uh as much as I love sharing my practice I love I love finding something that makes me feel cute to dress in um I would feel cute wearing that um (laughs) whether or not someone else told me it was nice you know Um, Mm -hmm. I think that you can never tell someone's intentions through a screen. Um, I think a lot of people assume that, uh, or judge, I guess you could say, a person's character based on how they're dressed. Um, And I think that that's always been such a shame because we are not what we wear um we are the conversations we have with people we are the way that we talk to other people we're the way that we act we're the way that we speak to ourselves we um you you can't you cannot tell who someone is by how they dress um and I think a lot of people underestimate women when they choose to dress in certain ways that makes them feel sexy or feminine or 
creative or closer to who they are, you know. Um, I've always seen clothing as a form of self-expression. And I've always believed that people should be able to express themselves in whichever way they want, whether they want to identify themselves as a man or a woman or whether they're gay or bisexual or straight or um, prefer not to associate themselves with gender. I, I don't believe that we get to decide how other people should dress or how they choose to express themselves. Um, and I'm really, really, really proud of how far we've come on social media in terms of accepting those who um, express themselves differently, whether it's what they wear or their sexual orientation. Um, I think that there's still a lot more work that can be done and, um, not just with sexism, I think it's a whole sort of accepting people for who they are and understanding that people that don't agree with the way that someone else chooses to dress or chooses to live their life is more a reflection of their insecurities or their belief system. Um, it's actually got nothing to do with the person that they don't agree with. Um, and it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky conversation. I feel like we could have an entire <laughs> I know. I feel like we, we should do like a yeah. six-part series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I feel, yeah. I feel like it's 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 a multi-faced issue, or mm-hmm. it's complex. Well, it's, it's something it's like all of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's intertwined like and things. overlap, and there's no sort of basic explanation for it. Um, but I think it goes back to the fact that we need to talk about it. Um, yes. Women should be able to enjoy sex. Women should be able to enjoy their bodies and to feel good about themselves. We do not have to, uh, we do not dress a certain way to attract attention. Um, we should not, no one should assume that we dress a certain way to attract attention you know um and I think that that is where where it's so difficult because of how ingrained it is in society and how we are going to have to teach men or teach women these new ways of thinking or viewing things or perspectives and it's hard. Um, I find myself having to constantly, you know, change my use of language with certain topics and understanding that um, we are sort of progressing in ways and it's important that everyone feels include, included um, regardless of anything. So I think like for me, it's just, understanding that everyone no one is the same but everyone is equal um and that goes into every single thing in this world you know um so going back to the whole sort of sex and sexualization topics and all that kind of stuff um I just want to empower women to be okay with being a sexual being 
and not feeling ashamed for wanting to enjoy sex, explore sex and not be seen as less of a woman or less feminine or less desirable or less than who they are because, you know, at the end of the day, like, we are all humans. <laughs> we all enjoy sex. Um, and I think that just by talking about it, we start to normalize it. So if I can do that um, and I can encourage other people to take hold of their sexuality and their confidence and their voice, then I think, I don't know, I feel like only good can come from that. Yeah. And I love what you said, too, about how I really believe that we don't have to have these fully formed, you know, intensely, intensely, intensely researched opinions to be able to share and to be able to be like, okay, this is what I believe, you know, in the areas of sexism, LGBTQ rights, environmentalism, social justice, politics, all of it. Like it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing, there's so much involved that mm -hmm. just having conversations spreads awareness and increases our own, our own knowledge about the topic. Yeah. So just opening up to conversation, opening up the floor for conversation and also I think the issue the issues arise when we believe that our opinions are correct. Um, and I think that there's a certain that's where the ego gets involved. You know, you're so passionate about something that, you know, any other alternative view is mm -hmm. not welcomed. And I think mm -hmm. there's a difference between having an opinion and being rude. Um, or you know, they're, they're two very, very different things. And I think understanding people's different points of view and knowing that you don't have to get someone to change their mind. That's not your job. That's not your task. It's just having the conversation and maybe you plant a seed. Maybe you don't. Maybe they're not ready to hear it. Um, but just sort of sharing with the intention to share and to um, open, I guess, like you said, open lines of communication and alternative perspectives without the need to control the other person and their views. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Okay. <laughs> It is. Yeah. And it's like anything else ever in the world, ever. It's a process. It's an ongoing learning experience. Yeah. Everything is a practice. Everything yeah. is a practice. No one is perfect. Yeah. And it's just, it's just about trying, just trying, just keep trying, keep educating yourself, keep talking about it. Keep, keep being open, you know? Keep being open. Exactly. And that's where it starts. Just being receptive. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So one last question, because oh, yes. otherwise we're going to talk for like three hours, yes. but and that would be fun mm -hmm. too. But anyway, so this is a question that I ask everyone. 
because this is the Air and Earth podcast, mm-hmm. lifting you up, keeping you grounded. I want to know what is something that is lifting you up right now, so making you happy. What is something that is keeping you grounded, so keeping you calm and connected? And it can be the same thing. It can be different things. Whatever. Um. <laughs> So what was the first part again? Sorry, I was thinking of my answer. <laughs> so what is something that's lifting you up? Okay. Something and lifting something you up and something. Me. Yes. Okay, so lifting me up. Um, I think it's finding things that excite me. So like whether that's new projects or conversations with people that inspire me or that challenge me, um, I love I love a good book. Um, those have definitely been lifting me up lately and mm-hmm. shifting my perspectives. And I feel like I'm constantly becoming more and more self-aware of who I am and my emotions and my receptiveness to those around me and my intuition. And I think those things make me feel lighter. Mm-hmm. Um, something that grounds me is I think setting boundaries and knowing that it's okay to create a safe space for yourself. You don't have to wait for other people to create a safe space for you. And I think I've definitely felt more grounded since going and speaking to my therapist on Tuesday. So a couple days ago, um, I think that was a really, really grounding experience and it just made me feel more connected to myself, I guess you could say. Mm. Good. Good. Mm. Good. Well, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. It's been so fun talking with you and I know that so many people are going to really appreciate this conversation and resonate with different parts of it, maybe all of it. Um, and yeah, thank it you for coming. so on. much fun. Thank you. I had a really good time. Aww. Well, to everyone listening, if you want to connect with Jessica, I'll have a link to her Instagram, her website, everything you need to know to find her, learn more about her. I'm sure a lot of you already know her very well. So yeah, thanks for tuning in.